Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's a blessing to be together on the Lord's Day and to celebrate Jesus' birth as part of our worship service this morning. We don't have this opportunity very often. In the nine-year history of Christ Church Selwood, and yes, my wife told me I was nerding out a little bit when I put this in here, but, but this is part of who I am and I've accepted it. But in the nine-year history of Christ Church Selwood, this is only the second time that we've had a Christmas morning service on Sunday. Again, because I'm nerding out. The next time won't be for another 11 years. All right, so it's going to be a while before we get this opportunity again, but that year, 2033, Lord willing, will also be the year that Christ Church Selwood celebrates its 20th anniversary. I know that's what you were all thinking about this morning when you uh, were focused on Christmas. For the last four Sundays of Advent leading up to Christmas this morning, Jared has been preaching New Testament passages from the 1549 Book of Common Prayer. I followed his example and used the Book of Common Prayer for choosing my text for our Christmas service this morning as well. This led me to preach on 1 John 4, 7-11. While this may not be one of the first passages that comes to your mind when you think about Christmas, uh, it does speak to God sending his son into the world to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In the Apostle John's first letter, he wrote to encourage believers in their faith in Jesus and to help them discern whether they were truly following God using a number of different comparisons and contrasts. In our section of 1 John 1, the Apostle shows how God sending Jesus into the world was a demonstration of his love for his people. But God not only showed us his love in sending Jesus to save us from our sins, he also calls us to love others in the way he first loved us. This morning as we celebrate Jesus' birth, we'll reflect on how God sending Jesus into the world put his love on display. We'll also see how God's love works in his people so that we love one another. In our passage today, John will instruct us to love one another through God's love in verses 7 and 8. He'll describe how God shows love to his people in verses 9 and 10. And he'll command us to love one another in the same way God loved us in verse 11. One more thing before we get into the message this morning. I'm going to talk a lot about love in this sermon, including the details of what God's love looks like. Before we get into those details, though, I want to briefly define what God's love is. God's love is self-sacrificial and seeks our good at a personal cost to himself. Many people today define love as being nice to other people or having positive emotional feelings for them. God's love is much deeper than that. And John will help us understand how God has shown his self-giving love to his people. John begins in verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. John begins by calling the people in the churches he's writing to Dear friends, 
The word translated as dear friends could also be translated as beloved. Before John starts talking about the need for people in the churches to love one another, he reminds them that they are beloved. God loves them, and he loves them. John is preparing his hearers to receive his instruction about loving one another by showing an example of the love he's commending to them. John is following God's example of showing people how to love by loving them first. As we'll see later, this is the way that God loves all his people. After addressing his audience as his beloved, John instructs them to love one another. He'll give the reasons why coming up. But before we get there, I want to address one of the dangers we face when we discuss God's instruction for us. We can hear the instruction to love one another and feel the weight of trying to do what God commands on our own without relying on God to provide us the strength to obey him. At this time of year, when many of us are busy with many different things, hearing instruction to love one another can get added to a list of things we don't have the time and energy for. This reveals something about ourselves, or maybe just about me when I feel this way. I forget that God's commands aren't burdensome. They aren't another thing to put on our to-do list. They're an opportunity for us to realize our own weaknesses and needs, and to go to Jesus to provide us what we need to obey him. So we need to keep in mind that in Christ, we have new life, and that new life changes how we live and includes loving one another. Not as an item for our to-do list, I loved, check, but as a reaction of the love God showed us through Jesus. We're only able to love one another because of what Jesus has done for us. Since John knows the gospel well, he ties the instruction of loving one another to the truth that love comes from God. The reason for directing his brothers and sisters in the churches to love each other comes from God's love. Love is from God. The desire to love and the strength to love all come from our relationship with God. Loving like God loves cannot be done only by an act of our will. You must be reborn in order to love the way that God loves. Loving like God loves can't be done only based on the knowledge that we need to love. Knowing we should love isn't sufficient to lead us to love. What motivates us to love one another is experiencing God's love through being saved by Jesus. Love is a communicable attribute of God. When something is communicable, it means it can be given from one person to another. That means that God has the ability to give his love to his people so that they in turn demonstrate his love to others. It can be easy for us to overlook how incredible this is. The love that God shows us is the same love he strengthens us to show to other people. 
we can actually love people with the same kind of love that God loved us with. We can be like God in how we love other people. This is a remarkable privilege. But for God's people, it's more than a privilege. It's also a demonstration that we truly are God's people. (laughs) People who love like God have been born of God. People who love like God know God. Our relationship with God is what gives us the ability to love like God does. We wouldn't love like God does if we weren't born of him. We need his regenerating work of salvation in us in order to love like God does. Loving like God also shows that we know him. We know who he is. We know how he works. And as a result, we know that we are called to be like him. That's incredible. The God of the universe who made everything and holds everything together calls his people to be like him and show we're like him by loving one another. But love isn't only a communicable attribute of God. It's also a telltale sign. The one who doesn't love doesn't know God. To fail to love shows that you don't know God. Why? Because God is love. If you don't love like God does, in spite of whatever else you may say or do, you don't know God. Since God is love, his people must love. To say you're one of God's people while not loving others shows that you don't know who God is or how he operates. God's people must love like God does because God is love. Where's the wiggle room? Doesn't God know that loving people is hard? As we'll see in our next two verses, God knows better than anyone what loving people costs. Doesn't God know that many people are hard to love? God knows because we weren't easy to love, but it didn't stop him from showing us his love. Doesn't John understand that the instruction to love one another at times seems impossible? Loving people the way God loves is impossible apart from God himself. When John writes to the churches to love one another, he's specifically focusing on loving each other in the church. This focus doesn't negate our need to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, right? The great two commandments that Jesus taught us. We don't ever want to pit one part of the Bible against another because it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. But John's particular focus on loving each other in the church is because of the recent experiences of the people he's writing to. They'd had people who denied the gospel and left them. And the people who, were le- who left were marked by a lack of love for others. John wants the people who are still in the church to respond to this difficult time by loving one another and showing that they truly are God's people. 
While I was preparing for this sermon, I was struggling to love. I was upset. I was offended. I was discouraged. And I felt like those were all good reasons for me not to love. Then I started studying this passage in the gracious goodness of God, and it shattered all of my excuses. Here John was telling me that to choose to stop loving was to choose to disobey God. I didn't want that. I know what happens when I disobey God. When I pursue what God tells me not to, things go from bad to worse. I just wanted a middle ground where I could hold on to my frustration and bitterness. I wanted to come up with an acceptable reason for withholding love. Through these verses, God made it clear to me that wasn't an option. I needed to repent of my sin, which I tell you I did, and then I asked God to help me love like he loves. What helped me through that difficult time wasn't any ability I had in and of myself. What helped me was knowing that God is love and that if I'm to know him and serve him, I have to love my brothers and sisters through every situation, especially when it's hard. God provided me both the conviction of my need to love and the strength to persevere in love when I didn't want to. He also forgave my sin as I confessed it to him. The one thing he wouldn't do was allow me to pursue a path of refusing to love. Because God is love, going away from loving is going away from him. His love for me and his word protected me and led me back to him. Having recently gone through that struggle, I can sympathize with anyone who is in the middle of it right now. What I needed to hear, and what you need to hear if you're going through that, is that God is love. And he provides his people the ability to love. We must walk in his provision, because if we refuse to love, we're showing at that point that we don't really know him. You can cry out to God and tell him that it's hard to love. I did. You can pour out your frustration and bitterness to God and he will lovingly comfort and restore you. I can tell you that's true. But we must love like God loves. This raises an important question. How does God love? John answers this question in verses 9 and 10. I'll read it to us again. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. John shows us how God loves us in verses 9 and 10 to help us understand how we're to love one another. God showed his love to us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him.
This means that God's love was revealed to us through Jesus. If you want to understand God's love, you have to see it's connected to his one and only son, Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus so that we might live through him. This tells us things about God, and it tells us things about ourselves. What it tells us about God is that he recognized our greatest need and worked to meet that need, even when it meant giving of himself sacrificially. God gave of himself by sending his precious son into the world. This love was costly, but it was also effective because God's love brought his people from death to life through Jesus. God shows his love to his people by reconciling them to himself. We were dead in our sins. We wanted nothing to do with God. He still loved us anyway. The fact that we were dead in sin, that we were his enemies, and that our natural preference was to stay right where we were, didn't stop God from loving us by sending Jesus to give us life. As we celebrate Christmas this morning, we celebrate Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth was the first step in God's loving plan of salvation toward his people. Jesus taught us who God is and what it means to love and obey him. Jesus taught us by accomplishing every work God sent him to do, what it means to demonstrate God's love. Every word God had Jesus say, he said. And then Jesus laid down his life to save us from our sins. What does God sending Jesus tell us about ourselves? Unfortunately, it's not a pretty picture. Paul put it well in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked, according to the ways of this world according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Doesn't sound very lovable, does it? We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were, by nature, children under wrath, as the others were also. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. What do we learn about ourselves? We were dead in sins. We carried out our sinful desires. We were children under God's wrath. We had nothing to offer God to make him choose to love us. But God is rich in mercy. He loved us and made us alive with Christ when we were dead. God saved us by his grace. We didn't deserve God's love, but he gave it to us anyway. This brings us to the next point about God's love. We didn't love God, but he loved us and sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus made propitiation for our sin. Propitiation is a word 
that we don't use often. But it means to appease someone's wrath or to take wrath away. We were under God's wrath because of our sin. We deserved his wrath and judgment for the sins we committed against God. Here's the love of God. God sent his own son Jesus to appease his wrath against our sin. Jesus didn't sin against God. We did. But God loved us and poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross instead of pouring it out on us. This is a wonderful gift. God gave it to us in spite of the fact that we didn't deserve it and didn't love him. As we celebrate Christmas this morning, part of our celebration is that God showed us his love by sending his son to do the hard work of atoning for our sins. When Jesus came into the world, he knew that he was heading to the cross. Jesus remained committed to doing the work that God gave him to do, even when people hated him and couldn't see their need for salvation. This is God's divine love. He loves ungrateful people who don't appreciate his love. He loves undeserving people who sinned against him. He loves on and on through the ups and downs of his people's lives, when they do well and when they completely blow it. We should marvel at God's love. It's incredible and it's humbling that we receive it. But we don't only receive God's love. We also have the privilege of sharing it with one another. John has one more important point to make about God's love. He concludes this passage in verse 11 by writing, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Having given us insight into how God loves, John instructs us that we must love one another. John again uses the phrase, dear friends, which again can be translated beloved. He began by calling the people he's writing to beloved, reminding them that both God and he loves them, and he ends by reminding them of the same thing. Then John concludes that if God loved us in this way, which let's just take the if out of it, he does, by sending his son to give us life and atone for our sins, then we also must love one another. God is love. God showed his love by sending his son. God's people who are saved by God's son are called to love one another. Notice that John doesn't say we should consider loving one another or that he highly recommends that we love one another, but that we must love one another. This goes back to what he began with, which is because God is love, his people must love one another. God's people are to be loving people because God is love. As we've seen, that love is displayed through Jesus. While the world works to redefine love without any reference to God, we define love based on who God is and how it works. We define love based on God himself, who is the source of love. Love is shown by God sending Jesus into the world, 
Love is shown by Jesus dying to appease God's wrath against our sin. Love is shown by God's people loving like God does in their dealings with each other. God is the source of love. And he shares his love with his people so that they can show his love to each other. Love is costly. But God was the first one to pay the cost. Now he calls his people to follow his example and he leads them by his spirit to show his love to one another. Love requires self-sacrifice and persistence in working for the benefits of each other. But as God's people, we're strengthened to love and required to love because that's what God does. We get a clear picture of the specific ways God showed his love for us through Jesus. How then in response do we love one another like God loves us? I'm going to point out three specific ways we show love to one another by following God's example. First, when God sent his one and only son, he gave what was precious to him. Loving required self-sacrifice and a focus on taking action for the benefit of someone else. So for us to love one another, we look beyond ourselves to see each other's needs and give of our time and energy in sacrificial ways to meet those needs. Let's not forget that the only way we can love like this is if we're born of God and know God. But as God was willing to give of himself in costly ways, we show our love for one another by having a willingness to give of ourselves in costly ways. Part of this demonstration of love is a willingness for us to share our needs with each other. We need to be willing to ask for help from each other and receive help from each other. We also need to realize that our need for help will not usually come at convenient times for ourselves or for others. That shouldn't stop us from asking for help when we need it or providing it in self-sacrificial ways. Second, when God sent Jesus, it was to meet our greatest need. Jesus met our deepest need by paying for our sins and reconciling us to God. Now our great need is to continue knowing and walking with God through our new life in Christ. These are ongoing needs that we all have. So for us to love one another, we willingly enter into the ongoing care to help each other in faithfully following God. We realize that love will not be a one-time only event as we care for each other, but will require perseverance. We also expect that it won't all be smooth sailing. And instead of getting impatient or frustrated with each other, we'll endure with each other as each of us grows in being conformed to Christ. Third, when God sent Jesus, he showed us love before we ever loved him. This demonstration of love required a willingness to give love when love wasn't appreciated 
or returned. So for us to love one another, we have an attitude of loving consistently even when that love isn't reciprocated. God didn't give up loving his people when they sinned against him. And we can't give up loving each other when we're sinned against. We will sin against each other. We must also continue in love when this occurs, being quick to confess our sins to each other and to forgive each other. So to summarize, how we're to love each other like God loves us. We look beyond ourselves to the needs of others, and we give sacrificially to meet those needs. We focus on our great need to faithfully follow God and commit to ongoing care to support each other. And we keep on loving when love isn't reciprocated, knowing that love will include forgiving each other. Showing love in these ways demonstrates that we are born of God and know him. And that we're sharing in the love he has for his people by loving each other. If you're a follower of Jesus and find that you're struggling to love others the way God instructs you to, don't despair. Repent as needed. Confess as needed to God. And as you experience his love through his forgiveness, be encouraged to grow in your love for him and others. God put his people together in the church for us to show how God changes us to be more like him. We get to put God's glory on display by show, showing how being loved by God transforms us. With God, we have the desire and the ability to follow his example and to love one another. We also have the opportunity to support each other through our struggles so that we'll all be built up in Christ together. This is something for all of us to do. Love doesn't have minimum or maximum age requirements. Both kids and adults can be born of God and know God and show his love to each other through faith in Jesus. What enables us to do this is God himself, who wants the people he made to be reconciled to himself and then to walk with him in love. On this Christmas morning, we know that the reason we're able to love is because of what Jesus did for us. He was sent by God into the world. Jesus humbled himself by leaving heaven and taking on human flesh. Jesus went to his own people who didn't recognize him as the Son of God and rejected him when he spoke words of life to them. He suffered and died for sins that he didn't commit. In all of this, he demonstrated the love of God to us so that we would know God and be transformed to be like him. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior, and he taught us to love God and our neighbor. He calls us to follow his example, and he gives us the strength to do it. God's love is different and better than anything this world has to offer. If after hearing about this love, you know you haven't experienced it for yourself, but you'd like to, please know that God desires all people to be saved in his Son. God calls you to turn 
from your sin and to put your faith in Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for your sins. Then he instructs you to be baptized and to participate in the church to be built up in your faith in Jesus. Our final word this morning is from the Apostle John in 1 John 3.16. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us, speaking about Jesus. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. May God strengthen us to obey him, and may we lay down our lives for each other so that we will show we are God's children through our love for one another. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, and we thank you, Lord, that you loved us before we ever loved you. Father, we thank you for your commitment to love, and we ask, Father, that you would strengthen us to grow in our commitment not only to love you, but also to love one another. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We rejoice in you for the opportunity to celebrate his birth this morning, and we thank you, Father, for his faithfulness to you to come and to achieve the purposes that you sent him for. Lord, through him, through his work, his life, his death, his resurrection, you forgave our sins. We praise you and rejoice in you for that. Lord, we thank you for your love towards us. We ask that you would continue to strengthen us to grow in our love for one another. Make us more like you and your son, Jesus. We pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.